What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Swim Collective Podcast. I'm Scott. Alongside me, as always, is my main man, Brandon Ress. Yo, yo, what up? What's up, B? We have an awesome episode for you today. Uh, but first, I'd like to thank Tier for sponsoring our podcast. Go to Tier.com, use a promo code Tier Collective, and get 30% off your purchase. Today, we have my good friend, Brad Dunn, on the podcast. He's the current director of men's and women's swimming at the University of Lynchburg. He's been there since 2018. Most recently, he was the 2021 ODAC Women's Coach of the Year, where he led his women's team to Lynchburg's first ever ODAC swimming title. He was the Virginia Sports Information Director's D3 Swimming Coach of the Year last year. And prior to his time at Lynchburg, he was an assistant coach at Southwestern. And before that, he was an assistant coach at Rhodes College. He was a standout at the University of Mary Washington, where he set conference records in the thousand and mile. And he's a great dude, one of my great friends, Brad. Welcome to the podcast, bro. Wow, man. Thanks for having me. What, a, what an intro. You didn't tell me you were going to uh, to just go through all the accolades and all of that stuff right there. I appreciate That's what that. we do. We gas people up. That's what we're here for. Oh, we're all about, we are all about, all about we're all about the elevation. We like, we want to elevate people. So there you go, like, man. We're good. We're happy yeah. to be here. Excited to talk to you guys. Uh, pump, pump, man. So um, you and I love coffee. So I have to ask yeah. what coffee are you, did you, did you choose today? Well, you were harassing me about this before we started recording. Uh, but today I'm working. I love my Nespresso machine. Um, I do a couple of different kinds in there. Uh, I do usually in the mornings, have a glass of water and do a little shot of espresso. And I'm sitting drinking more of a, a long coffee with that. But um, typically in the mornings, I'm doing a Chemex uh, Black Rifle coffee. And that's kind of my go-to now in the mornings. Let's go. Black Rifle, yeah. let's go. What about you guys? What, you, what, what, what have you had over there? So right now I have a a cold brew with oat milk from Starbucks, nice. but I typically start. It's kind of funny, pretty similar, some water and a, sh a shot of espresso. We have a, mm -hmm. a Breville barista pro, um, that we, that we love. I, I love espresso and that's what we got today. So I, uh, I do the same thing. I do two cups every morning, just black coffee with a little bit of a either almond milk or some sort of oat milk. And then, but I have like a $15, like brawn coffee machine. That's like 15 years old, but it does the Make, job. Makes good coffee. It's fantastic. That's, that's for sure. That's all that you, that's all that you need. That's all I need. Just caffeine. Just got to get it. Got to get it in your veins, you know? Well, awesome, man. So tell, tell the collective a little bit about yourself. Just kind of a, a, a basic bio where, where you're from, where you grew up, club swimming history. You have a pretty dynamic, background on where you lived and so definitely dive into that and uh tell the people about that yeah i'm excited to be here because I, I think that as with a lot of us in the community it's, it's swimming is a very big constant in our lives and has brought good people and, and great opportunities and i feel like that's what it's really done you know for me as an athlete and as a coach uh, i was born in northern virginia but at three years old my father worked at the state department we moved to mexico city after that moved to barbados i lived in bridgetown barbados when i was seven and eight years old that's where i started swimming uh, competitively at least and uh, my very first meet parents didn't really know what was going on what to do so they signed me up uh, for a long course hunter freestyle it was my very first event that i ever raced so a lot of you got to swim 25s and do all that but i had a, a long down and back and I, I blame them to this day that's why i'm a distance swimmer and uh went well and really enjoyed that um after barbados we lived in the Dominican republic uh then moved to williamsburg virginia where i finally that was where i got into club swimming and in be a little more serious about it uh training with the williamsburg aquatic club there 
After eighth grade, though, we moved back to Mexico City, uh, and that was a fantastic experience. Uh, swam for not a club team there, but high school was year-round, and it was about as serious as a club team would be. And uh, it was great training at high altitude, having that experience swimming there. Uh, two years, ninth and tenth grade, and then back to Williamsburg, Virginia to uh, to graduate again with Williamsburg Aquatic Club. Great great company there great coaches especially with harold baker leading that team and uh and then university of mary washington was where i i chose to study and swim and had a fantastic experience that led me into wanting coaching as a career uh spent time in northern virginia living with my folks after that for a couple of years uh, i was uh, working at the tom dolan swim school coaching summer league and then eventually worked with a little bit of time with blue wave swim team up there, but then really got in with nation's capital. Uh, and that was awesome working with NCAP. And, uh, that was where I made a lot of great coaching connections, really motivated me into college swimming. After that was, got the opportunity to go to Rhodes college and, uh, was there full-time for two years. Uh, really loved it. Worked with great coach, Charlie Bamey out there, but, uh, didn't really know if college coaching was the career path for me. So I did my MBA, went to part-time at Rhodes for the next couple of years, started working full-time for a business in Memphis and great business, great opportunity, uh, but just, it wasn't it. And uh, that was kind of the factor that led me like to know like, you know, this college coaching, I love this career path. I want to really pursue it. At that time that I kind of came to that epiphany was when John Duncan called us up and was looking for an assistant at Southwestern University uh, my family had just moved to Texas. My brother was there in Austin, and it was the right thing to do. And I uh, had a great experience working at Southwestern University. John Duncan's still one of my best friends. Uh, he's actually calling me right now, and I've got to ignore his call. What's up, John? Uh, What's up? And, and, uh, Dude, but, he, heard, uh, he heard that you're on the podcast yeah, today, and he the wants universe. to be out on the podcast, too. The universe uh, aligned with it. And, um, you know, it was while I was there in Texas that Lynchburg announced they were starting a program and extremely fortunate to be offered the job here and, and um, had a year to recruit and now two years of uh, full season. So long winded history, but want to take everybody through kind of step by step and, you know, what swimming and coaching and the great people and my best friends have all come from uh, the, the swimming and coaching world. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, uh, and, and very happy to be back in Virginia, especially kind of went halfway across the country and now looped back and yeah. it's great to be back here. I love this part of the country. That's awesome. So what kind of, we'll go back to your senior in high school. Mm -hmm. What, what were the major contributors to choosing a division three path for swimming? Mm -hmm. I think th there was a bunch of, things that I looked at. I don't feel like I had great guidance, the guidance that I know that you and I try to give recruits now. And um, it was a little bit more confusing. Wasn't, you know, we weren't texting as much and a lot of it was mainly through email and mailing letters and just felt very confused at the time. And, you know, I took a look at a couple of division ones, um, could have made the roster, not necessarily scored right away. Uh, and then looked at Mary Washington, where I also wouldn't have been the fastest coming in. Uh, but had a great experience when I went there and, you know, I saw it as a place as a couple hours from home, close enough by, and I met the people and they were just, they were very, they were eager to get to know me rather than to talk about themselves. And I felt like that was really important. Uh, but at, when it came down to it, it was the guidance of my club coach, uh, Harold Baker, you know, sat, sat down with each of us and he talked about, you know, what we wanted out of college. And it was his recommendation. He's like, look, I think that you're going to really thrive at a division three opportunity. I think that Mary Washington is a great fit for you. And, you know, I think that really 
energized me. And I, I remember that moment after that conversation, we got in for a warm up, and I realized I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, that, that's right. the place for me. And um, had a great, uh, I mean, I don't regret it at all. The great teammates awesome. there, great people. So I, I think it was, it was really trusting what I wanted, but leaning on the people to give me good guidance, especially right. my coach and, and my parents as well. That's awesome, man. So at Mary Wash, you studied Spanish and economics, right? Mm-hmm. And then later on, so you, you, you're doing swim school lessons, your coaching club, you eventually step into college coaching and you coaching full-time and then you start, you go part-time to get your MBA kind of, Mm -hmm. what did you want to do when you, when you declared a major in Spanish and you're going to, I can't remember if it's a concentration or a minor in economics, but it was a, it was a minor. Yeah. What did you, what did you, what direction did you want to go in when you declared those? And then again, when you were, uh, when you started to pursue and get your MBA? I wanted to do what my dad did. Yeah. You know, I wanted to, to live overseas. I wanted to, you know, to work for the state department and do, you know, I, I loved having the opportunity to live in different countries growing up. And, and I saw that maybe just kind of default figured I had to do the same thing. Uh, and as I went through college, especially sophomore, junior year and got into the Spanish degree, I didn't know for sure if that was what my career path was going to do, but I knew it was going to prepare me well for you know, whatever I chose to do. And the same thing kind of went into why I wanted to do my MBA at the time when I was in Memphis, I'm there surrounded by FedEx international paper, St. Jude children's research hospital is there. You, the service master is headquartered there. So I had a lot of friends that had jobs working for corporations. And I saw the MBA as a way to start getting connected with those people. I was at University of Memphis. It was convenient right there. Great program. I could still coach at Rhodes. And I, you know, I was just kind of at a, at an intersection where I needed to figure out like where, like what career it was going to be. Cause the temporary swim coaching is great and fun that had kind of worn off. And I needed to get more serious about you know, what I wanted, you know, three-year plans, five-year, 10-year, all of that. And I just didn't know. And, you know, I, I knew that MBA would open the door to working in a corporation. I love Memphis. You know, I loved it when I was there. I still love going. And uh, I could see that as a home for myself. But at the same time, I knew that if I did really come back to coaching, the MBA was going to prepare me well for a head coaching yeah. spot. And, and and I think that you know, keeping keeping doors open was a lot of the process of, of all of those things with my degrees. Yeah. Well, definitely. That, that's awesome, man. So you, you get your MBA and John calls from Southwestern and you go to Southwestern. Mm-hmm. What, what led you from, you know, wanting to get your MBA and maybe kind of that initial buzz of swimming, wearing off to stepping into a brand new coaching role. Southwestern's obviously a really accomplished program. Mm-hmm. And what, what led you to that and what, what got you excited about that? Yeah, it was. I remember it being. You know, it was. It was. It was fun. Where you know, Charlie Bamey, the head coach at Rhodes, was. He and I were good friends, and we had a couple of other buddies that we always played. We always played basketball at uh, this church in Memphis on Wednesday nights. And I remember we'd kind of gotten through. You know, I, I had graduated. I'd been working for this company there, and I had graduated in December with my MBA. And I was, has been about a year into working there. And by, by the time I got to like this time of year, April, May, it was kind of, I was starting to feel kind of, 
I just feeling worn out. And I just, you know, I was watching swimming championships. I was watching my peers in the swimming world kind of get to that point of the year where like you get to take a break. Like there's the seasonality of like you, like you build up and you commit and you work and you work and then you know, you have your championship and then you kind of start that next cycle. And, you know, I looked at that and I was, I really liked that part of it, but I was talking on a day-to-day basis to two or three people in my job. And, you know, it was like, I just, I couldn't wait to go and like volunteer practice and talk to all of those swimmers, you know, the the dynamic group of personalities, Mm -hmm. hopefully in in doing something that is, that is inspiring to them or, or giving them confidence or helping to build them up. But, you know, there's just an energy that, you don't get anywhere else. And right. you know, we're, we're playing basketball on this Wednesday night. And I say that to Trump, like, I just, I miss the people. I miss the energy. I really, you know, I'm starting to look at the NCAA market. You know, I, w- I want to find something to get back into coaching. Right. And there's a couple of things close by coaches that I'd known that were opening up assistant jobs. But he says, look, Brad, John Duncan called me today. He called me like before I came out here to play basketball with you all. And like, and said that he's looking for an assistant, you want him to like, you want me to let him pass along your number and reach out. And so that alone, right. It felt very serendipitous so that I was like feeling yeah. that I was that, that I was feeling that motivation and then talking to John, talking about what that structure would be like, realizing how much I missed the day to day of it. And, and it's hard work, right? I took a 50% yeah. pay cut when I went to be an assistant from my corporate job. And, you know, it was something that it was, you know, yeah, I was real serious about it and, and yeah. you know, don't regret it in the least. And in fact, it's one of the, like the best decisions I, I look at that I've made as a person. Right. That's awesome, man. So moving forward, Southwestern and you, you're, you're hired to, to reestablish, rebirth, regrow, restart Lynchburg's men's and women's swimming program. It's your first college head coaching job. Mm-hmm. Kind of what, for you, what was, what sold you on it? What was the draw? It's a big, it's a big jump. We've yeah. both did the, we've done the same thing. And right. it was a big, it was a, a big jump for me and a big decision for me. And so for you, what was the thing that was like, yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. This is, this is where I'm going to go. Yeah. It, you know, it was in that, that summer I was really looking at, I knew I wanted to be a head coach and I wanted to, I wanted to keep the the door open and I, I wanted to look to make sure that they, there was the right opportunity. And you read it on paper, you look at university of Lynchburg, you look at what our conference that the ODEC has to offer. And it was like, check, check, check. Everything looks great. And then it was when I got the opportunity to come to campus and interview stepped on campus and I mean, the athletic director's walking me around. I've got an interview with the president first thing in the morning. I'm talking to coaches. And there was a great energy that it's hard to describe. And you know, you, there's no entitlement, but you know, amongst especially within our department, there's not a lot of people who, you know, would look down on swimming. Our our, our sport is not the most exciting and not the most popular sport, right? We we talk about that all the time. It's not uh, you know, the, the outside world doesn't really get it the way that we do. But you know, it was the people that cared. And right. it, when I, when I started meeting those people, it was like, uh, this is, this is a tremendous opportunity because we're not going to have to step in and start this program from scratch because the culture of the university is here. 
And right. we've, we've just got to add to it. And I think that was what was like, it was like, yeah, like this is it. And I got offered the job. It was, it was exciting. And, you know, it was it, uh, the only thing we, I missed moving from Texas. My family had been all out there. My folks were three hours away and my brother was 30 minutes away and a lot of fun stuff to do out there, but it was very, to get to, to come here and, and contribute to what, what our school has built, what our athletic department has built was, was awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, you would, I would thought I've been really scared to do it, but it was just from day one, just exciting and motivating. And, yeah. you know, you, you know how it goes, you, you recruit to a program that doesn't exist yet. You get a yeah. lot of no's, <laughs> you get a lot of yeah. unanswered emails and texts, but you know, that's, that's what our world is. And you, you understand it. And, yeah. you know, I just, and I, and I got really lucky, I think to the people that did reach out and the people that did buy into the vision that we created, yep. um, you know, was able to, to really get started. Yeah. I think you look at our, our program and those, those first few lucky shots when, mm -hmm. when we started recruiting, a non-existent team, you know, the team that is going to be there with the culture that we hope to instill. And, you know, we're crafting a story and trying to, we're building this, this vision in the stream. And, and you can see it in both of our programs, how like those, those first, and you'll, I think you'll see it more over the next few years too, is like, you see just how important those, you said serendipitous, like mm -hmm. firm believer in faith. There are people that were like meant to be here for us and probably the mm -hmm. same thing for Lynchburg. And you can see how important of a role they play in the, the team, you know, and that's the thing that I've learned is that the best story that we tell is the, the story that the team tells them mm -hmm. themselves, you know, and, and really they're, they're putting the life and the breath and, and what we do. And I think obviously as, as coaches, we're kind of the, the, the face of the program, but it's really, you know, the, the experience that our, our, our swimmers have and the experience they have here at Roanoke that like puts, puts life into it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And definitely. Yeah. But pretty similar. I, I got an email from the hiring committee here just asking if I knew anyone that would be interested in the job. And, um, and for those of you that, that don't know, Roanoke reintroduced swimming in 2000 and 2017 they announced in 2016 and then i got hired in january of 2017 and then i we hired brandon in july or august of, of 2017 but got an email from the hiring committee wanting to know if anyone was interested and i started typing no i don't know anyone it's it's november it's the middle of the season and then i deleted it and i was like i'm interested and two <laughs> days later i was on campus and a week later i accepted the job so but <clears throat> got here just kind of fell in love with the idea of starting something. And I was like, it's either going to be really good or it's going to be really bad. And, but you kind of have this exercise and in, in your capacity or my capacity as a coach to create, create something, mm -hmm. which I think is really mm -hmm. unique. And, and so I think with that, it was an exciting opportunity to kind of start from the ground up and to figure out what's important to you to, to build a program, you know, and we've, we've done it successfully. We, I think we've put the right people in the right seats within our programs and we've been able to recruit great people and, and we have great, great staffs and, you know, and, you know, our men won a championship, your women won a championship. And it's obvious that, you know, profound things can happen when you find people that are enthused to, to do it and are dedicated to it and um, put, put their best into it, you know? Absolutely. So.
Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And that's, yeah, and it's, you know, I wish they could give a, a more firm answer as to what, like, yes, it was like the budget or it was like, uh, you know, the office and the auditorium or any of that stuff. And, you know, I, I think that you've got to, especially, you know, if we're talking to people that are in our career field or young coaches that are, are, are getting into our career field, you, you have to work with what you have and you've got to work with your facility. Yep. You've got to work with your budget. You've got to work with your staff, but more so you've just got to work with your identity and your culture. Yeah. What is your campus culture? Like who does your campus attract and what's going to be, you know, what is your team culture going to be successful at doing? And, yeah. and I, th I think that's where, you know, I, where I feel most fortunate was because I, I made such good friends in the coaching world and in the swimming world. And yeah. you, know, you just, you get a feel for what works and what fits your personality as a coach and what fits what you want to do and your vision. And I think all of those things, you know, kind of, it forms this like subjective amount, uh, like the subjective bubble, I guess, of how you want to create your program and, and, and go forward with it. Yeah, for sure. So what are some, I think you're, you're three years in at Lynchburg, mm -hmm. right? Two, two seasons in second season, like we said, your women were, were champions and did a, did an awesome job. And your men are, are no slouches as well. Your, your men are, are well accomplished and, and, and did well too. What are, what are some things that you've learned? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think, um, you know, I, I think that the biggest thing that I've learned in the first three years is, is kind of when, like when to turn it off, I guess, because right. you want to, especially when you're, you're new, the program's new and you've got to, you've got to just be on all the time. And like, I think to be yourself and to keep that energy, like I'm just, I've got to turn it off sometimes. And yeah. you've got to have a morning where you just, you know, drink coffee and, you know, and create, do something that you enjoy doing. Yep. Right. And, and be fresh because I don't, I, my team doesn't deserve me to be just burnt out and tired. Right. Uh, nor does my campus, nor does, you know, anybody that I work for. And so right. I think that just, you, you, you work along and, and it's like, even during the season, like there are times like, you know, you have everything planned out and you just get to practice and you're like, you know what? We're, we're doing social kick and stretch out swim today. Like, yeah. it, like it's, it's time to do that. So, cause I, and I think cause you come in as a young coach with all these, like these big plans and all this stuff laid out and, and just continually to learning how to adapt to the day to day yeah. is, uh, it's what's important. Yeah. It's learning how to, I mean, you probably came in similar to me. I was just like a bulldozer. Mm -hmm. I, I worked 17, 18 hour days and just recruited and worked and built relationships and traveled and, um, Cause it was nice to start a team, not in COVID, you know, we could right. travel to different practices and different States. And, and, but this is, I think this is a good, I kind of want to travel down this road for a minute. Cause you're really, what you're saying is you can't pour from an empty, empty cup. You have yeah. to know when to shut off. I, I really like what you said. You need a morning to sit, drink coffee, do something creative, something that adds value to your day and your life and helps you stay energized. Um, I think that's like a really important conversation in coaching is, you know, we talk a lot about work-life balance and how mm -hmm. college athletics and athletics in general, is just super demanding. You have your, you're constantly required and expected to, you have to maintain connections 24 hours a day. You're taking care of people. You're 
answering to administrators, you're planning for the next season. Um, how do you, how do you do that? You know, obviously it's maybe a morning with coffee, but what's something that resets you, refreshes you, something that helps you be creative? What, what re-energizes you to continue to, to bring the great energy and, and, and work ethic and, and working spirit to, to, to your team? I think it's, it's gotta be something, it's, it's gotta be something where your phone's off, right? That, that's the first thing, right? Where, because even yesterday, you know, one of our, my hobbies I've picked up, especially or since moving to Lynchburg has been we, my, a lot of my, my buddies and I play disc golf. I don't know if you and Brandon ever get into disc golf out there, but if you are come on out, we'll, uh, we'll play some of the Lynchburg courses. All right. Um, you know, but even in that time, you know, we, we, we played for about an hour and you turn your, you pull your phone out of your bag and you've got seven text messages and eight emails, right? It's just like, good. <laughs> 12, 12 missed calls, the world exploded. Oh, definitely. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And none of them urgent, just, you yep. know, if you have people pulling at you. And, and so I think that that's, you know, you got your phone off. I think to me, one of the things that I, I really like to do to do that is cook, whether it's cooking, get up, eat, yeah. cooking breakfast, cooking dinner, and that is hands-on, you're focused, mm-hmm. your mind's not wandering on other stuff. Yeah. I think that, you know, getting a chance to, to exercise, but for me specifically to get out and run, that is kind yeah. of, you just, you, you let it all out. And then right. journaling. I think journaling is another thing that is talked about, but I cannot stress enough, like getting something from like floating thoughts to paper, yeah. I think is very therapeutic. And so yeah. I think those are some basic ways, but like just finding something to be active with, to do, you know, with, to do with your hands, to create, like, yeah. you, know, you know, some people like, like to write, you know, I know you all, I mean, maybe this is this podcast gives you a lot of stuff where yeah. we're talking about work, but this is fun, right? We're having yeah. a great time doing this. And, um, you know, I have, a, I do a podcast with uh, one of my buddy, that's the digital media director, where we just talk about racing. We talk about yeah. Formula One, NASCAR, IndyCar, all of that stuff down. I'm not, I'm not plugging my podcast on here. So don't worry. I'm not, what? not oh, trying to talk it. about, plug, plug not it. trying to plug, uh, no, with the plug one it. lap down, Do one lap down podcast lap down. on Spotify, on anchor, nice. uh, you know, but, uh, you know, it's just, it were, you know, it, it, that like we usually record it on Tuesdays mm-hmm. and when we go in there, we turn our phones off. We've got a lineup and we just, we just talk about all of that. And, and that's awesome. like, we, we talked about it yesterday, just the way that we like were birthed, we, we felt or on Tuesday when we recorded the way we felt like leaving the room and finishing up recording as opposed to coming yeah. in, you know, it's, it's good. So I think that everybody's got their own Avenue and you know, those are some of mine. That's awesome. I love oh, it. It's gotta be a big week for your podcast. And was it Portugal coming up? Right. F1? Yeah. Yeah. Brad, are you an F1 guy? <laughs> oh my God. I'm so yeah. into it now. I like, I got into <laughs> we the Netflix. Have you on. Dude, yeah. I would love it, dude. I I, I just go. found out like three weeks ago that there's fantasy for F1, and I'm all <laughs> into that now. Dude, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I, I love F1. I haven't dipped into the F the, the fantasy stuff yet. I I, I don't want to get like too too caught up in all of that. We do our picks and we're our podiums now on the podcast. So, nice. um, you know, we we, we I kind of get a little nervous now, especially last week. I was pretty close, but yeah, I mean, I think if you watch Drive to Survive on Netflix, then you you can get into F1 pretty quick. It's such a good show. It opens your eyes to the whole world of it. Like I, you know, you probably, at least for me outside in, you're just like, ah, it's just all about like the racer. Right. But like the racer is almost like one of the smaller parts of it. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I I have it all recorded. I don't watch the the practices live as often now, but 
I will watch all of P1, P2. Mm-hmm. We'll watch uh, a little bit of P3 before qualifying. Always watch qualifying live now on Saturday mornings. Like it's crazy. Like a year ago, I would have never have thought that I would have gotten this yeah. into into that. Um, IndyCar is the one I'm probably weakest with at the moment. Just had didn't follow it as closely last year. But we're mm-hmm. two two weeks into IndyCar this year. I've been following watching those races, and they're going to be in Texas this weekend. So my I think my folks are going to go to that race. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Check out. That's with Joe, right? Mm-hmm. Check yeah. out Brad and Joe's Me. podcast. I'll put the, I'll put the, I'll find the link and put it in the show notes. Cool, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Um, what has been, what's been the most important thing that's for, for you that's led to your, your success at Lynchburg and your team's success at Lynchburg and, starting a program is this really unique mm-hmm. uh, exercise and a lot of unknowns, but like for you, what's the, what's the, the thing that you found that's the most important, kind of the biggest, the biggest piece to your success? I think it's trust. Yeah. And, you know, it's trust that, you know, I really, especially had that long drive and with, with my U-Haul and my car attached to the back of it, you know, I moved myself, all of my stuff moved from, from Austin, Texas over the course of like three days, stopping a couple places from there to Lynchburg yeah. and, and really used that time to myself to like, just kind of nail down, like, okay, what, like, what is my vision for the program? What are, what are we going to do? You know, what is like, what am I going to sell? What do I want it to be? And I really nailed all of that down. And so then when Mm -hmm. I started recruiting, like that was what I said, look, we don't have it here, but this is what the opportunity is. This is what we're going to be about. And that first recruiting class, especially trusted me and trusted that that's what we were going to implement. And, and I put my trust in them uh, yep. and we, you got, we really established a great base last year. Mm-hmm. And then I think that trust in one another was what navigated us through this, this really difficult year. Right. Yep. I think we look at all of the, like the tragedy of the pandemic with lives lost and people affected, uh, whether it be like through their job or through relationships, you, you have all of that outside stress weighing on us, trying to, trying to do what we we do trying to go through a, an academic school year, train through a season, and um, I know that mentally it was ex- exhausting for for everybody, myself included. And so having that trust in one another, having that those people that you've got diverse personalities, but you've got people that are going to have your back and are going yeah. to be eager to to talk to you. And and I think that being able to do that, and then ultimately I think the trust that the department put into mm-hmm. into us, put into yep. me and our staff, and and so. If you don't have that, if you're not true to your word, if you don't back up what you're talking about, you don't earn that trust, then I don't think that you have the avenue for success. No, no, definitely. For sure. I think when we, when we first started, we wanted to give the, our guys and girls autonomy to, to do this, you know, mm-hmm. and cause it's not going to, we, as coaches, we can say, do this or don't do that. This is what we want our culture to be, but trusting our, our people, our first class or second class, especially those first two classes um, have been like really, really foundational for culture. Mm -hmm. And they're actually kind of like juxtaposed to one another. It's a, that's a different podcast, but um, trusting them to bring the things to life that are going to make us successful from a cultural standpoint, from a, a swimming standpoint, from an academic standpoint, and kind of decentralizing the the message to 
the the team at large and, and putting trust in our captains and our leadership group to not only be those people that talk about it, but be the people that do it and then allow the space for our people where they can trust us that we're going to help them through maybe not obtaining goals or, or maybe, you know, not totally meeting a standard or expectations and just creating an right. environment of trust and where it's like, Hey, like I've got, I have your back. I'm going to help you. We're going to help you grow as a human uh-huh. being, pursue excellence and, and, the spaces and places that you want to occupy and, and where you want yep. to go. Yep. And, and I think trusting them to do it and letting mm-hmm. them. And I think for me, it was kind of like pushing off the desire to control and to not micromanage, but mitigate and keep everything in a spreadsheet and super linear and, and kind of just putting my hands up and saying, you know what, like the people that are going to do this are our people. It's the guys yep. and girls that are on our team and giving them the space and trust to live it and to make mistakes and to grow and to learn. And then to like continue to breathe like great life and great enthusiasm into, to what we're doing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and even for us with being four years in, there's still, you know, there, there's still tremendous momentum of being a young team and then having, having you guys. And if, we didn't explain this. Brad and I are head coaches in the same conference and are, are good friends. And, and, you know, you've helped me as a coach and you've helped our team because it's great to see another young program do mm-hmm. it and to like to rise rapidly and, and, and do it well and, and can be great competitors and awesome people. Like our team loves swimming, you guys and loves being around you. And like, like the, I might, I might cry. Sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to edit that out. No. So we're going to, I'm going to edit some of this out. It's tough, right? I'm not not going to edit it, but so yeah, we, we won and you won. I got to watch your team and you accomplish something that means a lot. And Mm -hmm. I got to see the excitement with your women and your coaches and your, your men being excited for them in the stands. And then we got to flip flop and like you guys were just as loud for us as our team was for us, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so just kind of that, that moment where we like, we got announced and like our guys went and got the trophy or when we got kind of our, our superlative awards and just having that great, great community it was just evident to me that you guys are building something that's that's really special that's grounded in the right things but also you know it's good to be able to be a benefactor of that to watch that the kind of tide rise you know a rising tide lifts all ships and and long story short you know we i I say it a lot you know we're we're super proud of you and, and proud of your team and I think you guys are great competitors and, and, and awesome human beings. And so, yeah. Well, thanks, man. That's really, that, that, you know, I can't thank you enough for those kind of words and, you know, feel the same way. I mean, I remember the day that my uh, kind of, you know, they announced my taking the position and they had kind of a, a temporary email set up for me to kind of feel a lot of the Lynchburg swimming stuff. And you reached out and uh, we had a great phone call before I even was, packed up in texas and you know and and i agree i think that 
what I talk about a lot with my peer coaches on campus and is that, that swimming is a little bit different where, you know, we're, all, we are very competitive and, you know, and, and you and I both spend a lot of time on our lineups when we swim each other and, and we, it's, it's a great chess match, you know, but we, we do it out of respect for one another and out of respect yeah. for everybody yeah. when it comes to conference, everybody mm-hmm. in the conference. And, and it is, it's great to be part of something so healthy. Yeah. So, so many, you know, so many teams that are, you know, I, I think in our conference too, great coaches, good people, and just a really, you know, I think that's, you know, it, that's without saying why, why one of the contributors have been able to have success. And, and I agree. We look at, yeah. and I think, I think our school before I came here, looked at, looked at Roanoke and looked at what you all were doing and saying, okay, like, let this be even more motivation to bring swimming mm-hmm. in and, and rise together. And, yeah. and, and I, and I think that you and I both, you know, know that you know it's, it's it you know it's not a finished job you know, we're very very fortunate for <laughs> yeah. this year the success that we had and um you know i can imagine you know we both had some some quiet emotional moments away from yeah. everybody else and because it wasn't just you know one weekend where our teams mm-hmm. won championships and our coaches celebrated you know it was it was a lot of lonely times along the way yeah. a lot of frustration a lot of a lot of things that have led to that and you know i i agree that you know I, I think that that's maybe one of the things that is hard to communicate and I think is known between coaches and between people at our level is that there is just so much personal sacrifice. There's so much, you know, just individuality that you have to like pour into doing this yeah. job the right way and into caring yeah. so much. And, and I think that's what we also, I mean, we, we really like racing against you all because we know that we're, we're going to come with it. We're going to be excited to race one yeah. another and it's not, you know, it's going to be something that is, you know, like, like, we, we, well, we swam each other three times this year, twice yeah. in dual meets yeah. and then at, at champs. Right. Three but different I, I think formats that's three, then, three different formats, yeah, three different yeah, formats, yeah. three different times. Yeah. And, and I, and I know it's just so, you know, it's, I think it's something too, right. You know, not, not, not to get too, too far into getting emotional about it as well, but uh, especially this year, it was something for us all to really to, to lean yeah. on. And it's a great reminder of, of why we do these jobs and why we're a part yeah. of this great sport. Yeah, I was grateful to. I I can't imagine what it would be like for our 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 kids. I no disrespect to my kids that are listening. You're my kids, and that's the way that it is. You know, like I can't imagine what it would be like if they didn't have their. I think their competitive outlet and the social out, outlet of their sport this year. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's how we're wired, right? I think that's yeah. where you know it's tough to it's tough to explain what we do and why we do this to somebody who is wired differently, not better or worse. Right. I mean, there are people that that are wired to go into an office and just pound out work on a computer, you know, for eight hours a day and make a great living and and have that as their lifestyle. You know, there's people that are wired that, that couldn't even like bear to have work be on a computer, right. They've got to be (laughs) in an auto shop. They've got to have their hands on something on tools. And I think all avenues of careers are admirable. Yeah. But with us, this is, this is what we're wired to do. And, you know, it's, you know, it's that kind of that, that anxiety on a Sunday night, like, okay, I got to do that. I got to get this stuff done this week. I got to call these people. I got to get on the road. I got to get this planned. And, um, and it's fun. Right. I think that's Mm -hmm. quality of life. We go back to some of those things that led us in this path. Like it's such a great quality of life, like that, uh, you know, you, you, but you have to, 
you you have to be wired that way to, to yeah. live this life and enjoy it. Well, it's just so it's so people heavy. You're right. constantly, you know, our doors, our office doors are constantly revolving, and yeah. you're you have such a high factor of interacting with people. So it's kind of like a bad job to be an introvert in, you know, especially on like yeah, a, especially on a small campus where you see your people yeah. all the time and yeah. But I, I love it. I can't imagine doing anything else. I mm-hmm. I love swimming and love being with people. The off season is a very a weird time because I don't see it's not so much that I'm not coaching. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather coach than not coach. Mm-hmm. But I don't get to see everyone. Right, I don't get to right, right. I don't get to see those people all the time and see my people all the time. You know, they're the people right. that we spend the most time with. You know? Yeah. We go home, we see our loved one, we see our loved ones. I kiss my wife good morning at like 5 a.m. when I'm out the door and then I see her when I get home when it's dark, you know, yeah, I see everyone yeah. else. I spend more time with Brandon than anyone else in my entire life, you know, and I, I love it. It's a great life and I can't imagine a different doing a different job. Right. right. As long as I get to coach and and I'm loving what I'm doing, like I can't I, I can't imagine doing anything else. But no, I think there's a lot of it's nice when you have community with coaches. And I think what's been what was really, which which has been really great for me is knowing that you're super pumped to be a good coach. You want to have a good team. You want to have a competitive team. You, you do it the right way. You love competition and it's good to have someone that is also doing what we're doing mm-hmm. and have, and so, you know, you know, the struggles, you know, the ups, you know, the downs, you know what it feels like on your first meet on deck, your first practice as a program, you know what it feels like to win your, your first ever championship. And um, so it's been nice to have you and the camaraderie and the friendship that, that we've built to, to one, make each other better because iron sharpens iron, but also to get through, to get through this year, you know, you were somebody Mm -hmm. that I definitely from whether we were talking about COVID or trying to plan a conference championship meet, you were definitely somebody that I, definitely leaned on and and we're just trying to breathe yeah just trying to, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like just trying to like take the, each other up and yeah and just like trying to survive right take like, the blinders yeah. off and be like dude yeah definitely how do yeah. you do this like <laughs> what is happening um, right now no but good stuff man so we're gonna kind of wind into the home the home stretch and yeah um yeah well i mean we'll just we've, we've talked a lot about you know the build up to the program and like the season as a whole, but like into the nitty gritty of it, what groups do you oversee or coach in general? Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in having connection with every group. And so, you know, one of the things that we do is that we really switch up the, the groups that we work with within our staff. And so, you know, some days I'm working with the distance group or the sprint group, you know, we work around like with IM or, or some of our sprint stuff on some days. Um, probably where we get into like the most separation though is when it comes to stroke groups. And we do mm-hmm. one day a week where we really just break into three different stroke groups. Just we're going fly back to rest. Everybody, even our pure freestylers are going to get some, they're probably going to be in the backstroke group or <laughs> wherever they want to be. And that's the day that we separate. And, um, you know, our assistant Aaron Green's working with the backstroke group, Alyssa and Donna are working with the butterfly groups. And then, uh, myself, you know, I, that was, I kind of, you know, 
embrace the breaststroke group. And so that, uh, that gets to be a lot of fun because we have a, a lot of rivalry within the, within the team and the coaching staff on when it comes to those different groups and, uh, and working with them. But otherwise, you know, I really like to, you know, I, I like to have everybody get a chance and mainly it's for my assistants. It's so that they get a chance to work with all the different yeah. groups. And, um, you know, I feel like it, we found a good flow with that and works out pretty well. That's awesome. Cool. I like it. You know, don't want to, I know a lot of us don't want to divulge too much about what we do, but do you have like any like particular favorite sets or like your go-to or anything like that? You know, yeah. The, yeah. Well, and, and, and I think too, I mean, that's where kind of where I explained that swimming is different where like I've never visited a club coach or talked swimming with somebody who wanted to, to keep a lot of secrets. Right. And <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I, I think that, you know, the test sets are kind of the, like the go-to ones uh, that like are, are things that we like to do. Um, you know, we use a one, uh, the 201 set is what we call it. You know, very simple, just hundred set where it's a two minute, one second interval and you start on the 40 and you've always got to be in by the top. So the first one, you've got to be under 120. The second one, you're under 119, you're under 118. So, you know, it's it's tough to keep track of, but it's a good set where you're working kind of a different energy zone. You're swimming mm -hmm. hundreds at a little bit, um, a little bit faster pace. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's a good it's a good kind of barometer we use throughout the season. Um, one of the things that, especially with our stroke groups, we like to do is a lot of resistance swimming. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we found a lot of success with that, with our breaststrokers this year, especially not necessarily just swimming lots of yardage but trying to find ways to improve efficiency yeah. by throwing on tether cords parachutes and stuff like that i think that translates a lot with what we do with our sprint group yeah. um you know and nothing super secret nothing like yeah. you know I, I i try to adapt more to the people we have rather than what is the revolutionary like type of uh, of, of coaching um right you know i think that a lot of im work with our mid-distance swimmers is something we started doing a little bit more this year uh doing things where we're doing multiple rounds highlighting a specific stroke each round we're getting us some really good quality you know, butterfly work backstroke work and then quality breaststroke work when you're tired with the imers i think is a big is a big you know, yeah. piece to that um, and that might be something that I guess kind of looking at, you know, very formulaic. I like to write practice where we're warming up, then we're doing a, you know, some type of skill or drill work, and then we're hitting our main set. And one of the things I really like to do is find a way to elevate our heart rate before going into perfect technique or drilling. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's one of the things. So you can do that with kick, you can do that with up-tempo swimming, you can do it with resistance, but find a way to just really get going, going so that by the time you get to focusing on drilling or technique work, your heart rate's elevated, you're breathing a little bit heavier. And I think that that's the, you know, that's one of the things that really helps to, yeah. to simulate great technique late in races. Right. I like it. We're, so, I, I love going, going fast, going fast with all of the stuff that I like to do. Yeah. Um, we, you know, with, with those, uh, you know, with, with different things, I think implementing that across your different groups and your type yeah. of personnel is important. Yeah, for sure. I, I love resistance. Love it. Yeah. Towers, racks, shoots, fans, socks. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you, you've got to, especially by the time that swimmers get here, they've done a lot of swimming and mm. I don't really believe that you get better at swimming just by doing more of it. To an extent, yes, especially through mm -hmm. age group swimming. You know, I yeah. think that there's a lot to be said of just, you know, you know, you know, building your muscle memory and your stroke habits. But it's tough, right? It's tough at the college level to completely rebuild stroke habits and technique. Yeah. You know, you can work little things, head position, catch, a little bit of that stuff. 
but you really just got to work on you know, what it what it's going to take to be more efficient with what you do. Right. And I think that that's kind of where resistance, you know, doing a lot of resistance training, I think it's engaging. And that's really, you know, we, we really hang our hat on doing quality work, not quantity yeah. work. And it's got to be engaging yeah. the whole way through. Um, I like, I take it personally. If anybody says that we put garbage yardage in our practices <laughs> and that's tough when you coach the distance group, yeah. it's, it's tough to avoid that criticism. Uh, but you know, I think that mixing that stuff up, um, keeping things engaging is what the key is. Absolutely. Like Brando, I'm going to put you on the spot. You're, you do a good job at, at that keeping, keeping. So Brandon coaches are I amers. I am two and four IMers up to the, the mile. Mm-hmm. And we have a little bit of overlap with our, with our stroke and our, our stroke and our sprint groups when we're at the tank. How do you one, like, how do you keep things engaging for your, for your longer groups? And two, what's one of your, what's one of your favorite sets that, that you've done with the, the guys and girls here? Yeah. So, um, so my whole thing is I like how you mentioned like, you know, no garbage yardage. That's like my big thing is I want, like, I always want there to be my, my like one goal. If I ever can get anything across to them is that everything we do has a purpose. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to just give you some sort of yardage and just have you go swim it for the sake of swimming it. Right. So right. like, um, it's like, obviously like aerobic threshold and stuff like that's very important though to, you know, people that need a larger base and like that distance group. So like my big thing is like, we get in the warm up. It's like, all right, warm up, you know, this is your time to like fix little small habits and, you know, just get your heart rate up. You know, that's, that's what we're here to do. Like, and I, I leave my warm up very open. Like, yeah, there's like, we do certain things, but for the most part, like I let my group choose, you know, kind of like how hard they go at the beginning and how much they work into it. Like I want them to really get to learn to understand their bodies. Like they need to, they need to understand their body more than anyone else. Like I'll certainly try and help, but for the most part, I do the same, like the same, like type of like structure for warm up every day. It's like the same mm-hmm. thing. Um, mm-hmm. but like the way they do it is up to them. Like within that, yeah. like so like my opening warm up is 300, three ones, 375s, 325s. 300 is their choice. Three 100s is their choice. Um the 375s is just rotating 25 strong, just more of a feeling thing than anything. And then mm-hmm. 325 skull. And that's like how I begin every at least every Y workout or, yeah. or short course yard, 25 yard YMCA workouts. That's how we started. I would switch mm-hmm. it up a little bit more in our tank. That's how I started. And it was kind of like, and anytime like someone have a, like a good practice, they'd be like, okay, well, what did we do for warm up? And then, you know, sometimes when people had a bad practice, be like, okay, well, what did we do for warm up today? Like, obviously right. it's not working. Like, was it something, mm-hmm. you know, unrelated to warm up? Like maybe you just had a bad day happens all the time. You know, that is what it is, but you know, it's trying to figure out what works for you, especially like in a year like this, it was especially important, like knowing how your body warms up with like how structured things had to be for like COVID protocols and like limited lane space and timing and how everything was like, so like exact, like on scheduling, it was like, you really have to know like what you need. Like, you know, maybe you're someone that thinks they need like 45 minutes to warm up. You might only get 20 minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have to find a way to get your like normal 45 minute and get your body to respond the same way in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so, I mean, just, and then as far as like main sets goes, like keeping people engaged, like, you know, like, um, one of my, like go to, like, I try to keep things like different when we do, cause I use the color system, you know, working in, um, so getting yep. into different energy systems, you know, color system, like white, pink, red, blue, purple, all that stuff, you know, to yep. like gauge effort. 
um, when you give them like a 3000 yard main set and they, you know, they kind of see the colors thrown out. It, it definitely helps them with purpose, but at the same point, it's like well, 3000 yards, like, what are we doing here? And it's mm-hmm. like, everyone is, we're gradually getting your heart rate up kind of how you would, you know, in, you know, a race. And then like, once you get to that heart rate point, like holding it, and then if not going further towards like, yeah, and like figuring out how to like pace yourself a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And so, right. um, you know, one thing I like to do is I usually like to start with a larger volume first and then go down to the smaller stuff. So like one set that I do frequently in some sort, or maybe like a variant of is I'll do something like, um, you know, three rounds of one, 300, two twos, and then three ones, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, we'll start first round. There'll be a lot of white, pink. So round two, we started out a little bit more red, and then last round, it's all red, maybe some blue. And, you know, it's just kind of like I want to see you guys. And I'll usually decrease the interval through rounds too. So I like to give people opportunity to like build into the set a little bit, get comfortable, and then by the end of it, I want them to get used to being very uncomfortable. Like I, w- I expect them to go faster and to go harder when they're getting less rest. So. Right. It's just like stuff like that and like give them a purpose yeah. before everything. Be like, this is what we're doing today. And they, they know we do the same every week. I, I run the same like progression. So they come kind of come in knowing what they're getting into that day. Um, yeah. So which can backfire sometimes because sometimes, you know, they're a little bit of a panic because they oh, know no, it's doing. Monday. It's big right? aerobic threshold. Monday was big aerobic threshold. Day, no. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's getting them it's just trying to get build confidence basically, you know, yeah. in themselves and what we do and like how I run things. And, um, I definitely don't do high volume, even when we do volume. Um, cause mm-hmm. again, I try to limit the garbage yards. Like I want them to know the purpose. Like when we do threshold, like we have to do, you know, 30 plus minutes where we're working hard. Cause that's the only yeah. way we get into that aerobic threshold zone. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that's going to help you as yeah. an aer- as a distance swimmer. It's like build that base up. And then when we start to like really taper off at the end of the year and like get into more like speed and pacing, you still have that base and that's not going anywhere. Yeah. So, right. And I think right. the nature of, things, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, Brandon, what are some things that you do? Like, especially it, it's, it's tough because you and I are both distance swimmers. You work with these distance groups, trying to keep it, you're trying mm-hmm. to do those things. And you talk about working with your color system and all that. Like what are, do you put certain things in with the way that like the yardage breaks down within the set? Like what are some tricks that you like to throw in there with your distance group, you know, to, you know, so that they're not just swimming straight 800s or 500s. Yeah. So, um, one big thing I definitely do for like our big distance days is I almost always finish. Like after we do like 3000 yards, I almost always finish with eight twenty fives on like 45 seconds. And it's usually I am order and it's just all out. Mm-hmm. And now this is even people that don't even do I am. And you know, the point is, is I want them to have that hurried out. Like, and then like when they complain, it's like, well, how are you going to finish your race? You know, it's like the mile, like you're still sprinting that last like hundred. There's never, am I like, that's my big thing for swimming. I guess that's like my trick is like, there should never be a moment where you're swimming. You should never see it as you're swimming slow. Right. It, it's just like, it's all like my big thing is like, there's no such thing as slow swimming. There's no mm-hmm. such thing. You know, you're either warming up, you're focusing on technique or you're like building some sort of base, some sort of pace, like, or you're racing, you know, there, there yeah. should be no such thing as slow swimming, even like active recovery aerobic recovery all that stuff i don't like to call it we're going slow i don't like to say okay this is slow it's this is active recovery like there's a purpose to it like you need to have good technique you need to be controlled um but if there's like that's that would be like my one trick is that like there has to be i always thought there has to be purpose and something whatever you're doing like we have to know what we're doing and um 
but definitely my big tricks is like we're going to touch speed every single day yeah like even yeah. as a distance swimmer because there's never a point where you're not going fast in one of your races like you're yeah. like sprinters are obviously always going all out for a 50 well you're going to be going that fast or at least trying that hard at some point you're not going to be going yeah. that fast but you're going to be putting in that much effort at some point in your race yeah so yeah. we're going to touch speed so um I mean, that's one big thing is like, I don't, yes, we're a distance program, but we definitely touch speed in some sort every day. Like we have yeah. to. Yeah. And I think one thing that the nature of the way we are three lane pool here and the, the lane space that we have at the Y and the duration, and it really started here at the tank, you know, to get 40, 44 to 45 people through workouts, you've got a group lifting and a group swimming and then they switch and then they switch and we yeah. have to be efficient. The, we as coaches have to be efficient in the way that we organize and structure our practices. Our, our athletes have to be, they have to be efficient and getting in the pool, getting out of the pool, getting the weight room, getting out of the weight room. Cause it just takes time. It just takes a lot of time to get people through and you have to be really efficient with how we use our time. And remember our first, our first year, maybe our second year too, I can't remember. We would have a group at the Y on Tuesday morning, Tuesday, Thursday morning. And then we would also have a group here on campus at the tank. But for the first 30 minutes of practice, do you remember this B? I do. The first 30 minutes of practice on Tuesday, Thursday, we only had three lanes at the Y. So, but we'd have at least probably half of the team. Yeah. At the Y, because after the first 30 minutes, we would, it would open up to like six or seven lanes and we would mm. like Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday was 500, 500 free 400 IM. And then Thursday was our 200 stroke day. So a large group of the, the team fits into that boat. Yeah. We would get a group in and what do we go? We go like, like eight, eight fifties. What was the warm up? We was, would, it, was it, did we start with the 400 or did we just go straight to eight fifties? It was like 300, eight fifties and four fifties and four twenty fives or something, but it was basically like two 15 minute workouts, like two 15 minute warmups where there was one group on land doing some type of dynamic warm up while the other group was swimming. And then we would flop, we would flip flop. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like stuff yeah. like that in the beginning where our relationship with the Y wasn't, you know, super well established and they were kind of figuring out, we were figuring out what we needed and how much we needed. We were using the tank a lot and, just we had to figure out ways to be efficient and i think that's that's just the name of the game for us we have to be um, well i mean it goes back to what we were saying earlier right like you have you like you're never going to get to be picky in this world you know even even yeah. at, at the top level you're, you, as a swim coach you're going to have to just work with what you got you know and and i think that's part of it right and you know, both of us swimming off campus and you know I, i'm fortunate to swim in a great natatorium you know but you know you, you've got your hurdles with that as well and we're in figuring out timing and figuring out yeah. logistics and and doing all of those things and you just got to roll with it you know there's yeah. no ideal situation mm -mm. and if there is you're gonna have to work a long time to get to that so yeah um yeah i, I think that it being malleable right and lending into you know working with what you got designing your swim practices mm -hmm. designing your dry land your mm -hmm. your weightlifting all of those workouts around it yeah. it's, it's imperative yeah no for sure and kind of the final the final question i like to ask is when you're done swimming what do you what do you want to be known for what do you want your what do you want your legacy to be yeah. Yeah. I, I know that you've been like your question, like your, that, that you like to, to throw at people. And I think it's a great question because there is a lot, you know, there's a lot that you do in this, in this world, especially in the, in the world of coaching. And I think that you know, really what 
I want to be known for is somebody who, you know, I want to be known as somebody who was able to be a mentor outside of the pool as well as in the pool, you know, prioritizing things in life through the avenue of swimming. And I think that, you know, what we do as a, as a sport is great because it teaches us, you know, like one of the things, one of the adages that I I can't stand is like, if you do what you love, you don't work a day in your life. I think that's garbage. You know, I think that, you know, I absolutely trash. I absolutely love what I do, but there are days that you just have to go to work. Right. And just like with swimming, I mean, it is not fun to do that, that Monday practice, right? Like that is the, you know, but the energy you receive from that and like the, the sense of accomplishment isn't like, unlike anything else. And so I think that, you know, being able to be, you know, to be a mentor, to be, you know, a positive influence in people's lives and to be remembered that way, rather than just one who helped to get your mile time faster or win a championship, um, um, I think those things are a lot easier to do on it, whether than like being, being a personal mentor, especially for people who go full four years in a program. Right. Definitely. I love it. Well yeah, said. Absolutely. Friend. Well said. That's thanks. awesome, man. Well, Hey, that was awesome, dude. Thanks so much for hopping on the pod with us. Yeah. Thanks. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you guys are doing a great thing and, you know, really appreciate what you all are doing, especially giving voices to a lot of different coaches. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to follow up coach Holloway from last week, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, um, you know, it's, I, I appreciate giving me the avenue to chat a little bit with yeah. you all continuing to learn and, uh, you know, Brandon, we'll get you on the one lap down podcast here. Real soon. I, I, I guess I, I want to get it. some of your takes, especially when it comes to F1, That's cool. but, uh, thank you so much guys. This was great. Yeah, you're welcome. No, I want to, that's kind of why I, what I wanted to do. Well, I want Brandon and I had talked about doing a podcast for years. <laughs> We've talked about it. Yeah. Basically, it's just, just what we year. do. We sit and we banter about swimming and it's like, well, we could, we can record it and it can be called a podcast and we'll be podcasters, you know, <laughs> but I, I really want to give a, a wide lens on swimming and mm-hmm. like any and every coach has something to offer you know, have a pretty broad, pretty broad perspective, but also a broad perspective of athletes. Like we're going to, we're going to have a few of our, few of our kids on and to, to talk about their experience, you know, cause mm-hmm. I think there's alongside people like Coleman Stewart and some other athletes that we have coming on because their, their voices need to be elevated. You know, they, they are the reason that we can do what we do, you know, that, so I think it's important to highlight there's, I think there's a lot of really good coaches that Braden, Braden talked about it. There's a lot of really good coaches that no one knows about. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of really good swimmers and people that no one knows about. And so I want to, want to have this as a, as an avenue to find those people and to, to hear their stories and to hear what they can, you know, the value they can add to the, to the swim community. Um, yeah. It's been fun. I love doing it. It's, this is not work. This is fun, you know, <laughs> and I'll leave here all jazzed up and pumped up and, and happy and, but no, I, you know, you're one of the first guys I wanted to get on the podcast and, and talk to. And, you know, we, we have a lot in common and we've shared a lot of similar things and it's, you know, been good to have a, there's someone, someone else outside of our world here at Roanoke that, you know, just let knows what it takes mm-hmm. and knows how hard it is and knows what it's like to swim off campus and to still, st- still start, working on it, start a new <laughs> still program, working on that you know, stuff. And just, yeah. you know, you know what it takes, you know, what it, you know, what it costs. So it's been nice to have like a, a brother in arms that, that knows the cost and knows the price. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. 
and does it well and treats people well and, and does it right and elevates the people that, around man. him. Yeah, man, for sure. Well, I really do. Thank you again, Brad. And thank you everyone for listening to the swim collective. Remember go to tier.com and use the promo code tier collective to get 30% off your order. And we will see you back here tomorrow for this week in swimming. See you guys. All right.